Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. Joe Hoft on today's news talk radio, TNT. Well, good morning and good afternoon, good evening, uh, depending on where you're at. Thanks for joining us. Another great show in, in line and in store for you today on the Joe Hoff Show. So, yes, thank you for being here. I want to encourage you to uh, continue to go out, uh, encourage people to purchase my book on the steel. Uh, more and more, it's getting more and more traction here as 2024 has jumped in. I've written three books on the steel. It's the trilogy uh, this coming week. I believe it'll be next Monday. I'll be on the air in uh, Italy after this show, and they'll be announcing that the uh, book, The Steel, uh, the three books will be combined into one and we're going and, and, and translated already into Italian. And that will be uh, available for Italian uh, readers. So we've uh, we've gone global with The Steel, and uh, I'm sure the people over there are going to be shocked based on uh, the way they do elections there. We've had uh, Luya. Mariani on the show is very, very successful uh, a business person in Italy, and she has said how they do elections there. They walk into the local school, bring their ID, and this basically sounds like a card of sorts that they bring with them. They hand that to the people at the registration place. They've been properly registered in that location. They hand them ID, their ID, they go vote, they come back, they get back their ID, they have their little booklet or whatever this pamphlet is that they carry with them stamped to show that they voted, so they can't vote anywhere else. And uh, and and you have to vote on election day, and uh, the only exception for that is the military, and that's how they do elections. Uh, votes are counted by the end of the evening. And they will know in the local precinct, both precinct, county, state, uh, if they have county states, by the by the end of the night, within probably 10, 11 o'clock, they'll know who who has won their elections. So that's how it works in the real world. And they're going to be shocked when they read the book, The Steel, and find out all the, uh, you know, just BS, garbage processes, systems, and uh, people uh, that have been inserted into our U.S. elections. And that's why it's pretty clear that the 2020 election was stolen and never should have been certified. That's the thesis behind the books, the series, and uh, all sorts of information on why, uh, you know, how it happened, what led up to that, and also the cover-up afterwards, which was just essential. Uh, January 6th was a big part of it. So anyways, um, hope you enjoy. I've had some great compliments from some people that I've spoke to recently. I've read my books. Just just really love them. So go out there and get a copy. And again, if you speak Italian, next week it'll be available for you in Italian. And uh, can't wait to see that myself, although I won't be able to read it. I hope they, I hope they translated it right. I hope it doesn't just say, uh, you know, Joe Hoff, just something else. He's, he's uh, This is all garbage. I hope that's not in there. And I don't, I don't expect it to be. I'm just joking. So hopefully uh, you can get a copy here soon. In addition to that, I've got some articles up at joehoff.com. I encourage you to go there. All these shows that we that we air here on TNT, I, I will uh, embed them into uh, my site as well daily. So if you miss a show, you can go there to see the show. Or you can go to uh, tntradio.live uh, to get our shows as well on a daily basis. All the shows are available there, all the great shows at TNT. So feel free to do so with that. I see uh, right before the show here, there's some ads and, and, and the update on the news. And I saw pictures of individuals from Australia 
walking down the street in masks. And I never saw that in Australia in the probably year of my life that I've spent there. And, and it looks to me like it was down, I think that's George Street. Uh, I think that's a George or York, one of those big streets downtown. People walking with masks. I'm like, oh, thank God I didn't have to do that. And they were talking about another round of COVID coming. And then I saw one of the uh, one of these uh, TV personalities there from Australia saying, the, the, the authorities are saying, go out and get yourself another booster. And it's just like, man, I will never do that. God willing, never. And I will never uh, wear that damn mask again either. I I still get, uh, well, you know, nightmares watching. I have a, a young child. He was in kindergarten walking into school with a mask on. Every day you drop him off and that good boy would walk in and just broke my heart. Uh, you know, for his entire kindergarten year, I had to breathe through a mask at school. What a nightmare that was and, and how useless and um, non, you know, absolutely not necessary all of that was. It's just unbelievable. I just uh, put up a piece a couple of days ago, a uh, guy who's been on our show here, Tom Renz, attorney from the States. He uncovered some information basically showing that these vaccines is what they're calling them, the COVID vaccines, these same things they're calling boost, don't get your booster uh, these vaccines, he says, are they had to change the uh, definition of vaccine because these these things that they've been given people to shoot in their arm weren't uh, vaccines by the technical language from uh, the past. So they had to change the definition and just to bring in these uh, these vaccines that they're using uh, with COVID. And what he says is that they have evidence and had evidence at the time that these vaccines were not safe. Uh, that they uh, could, call, could cause cancer in, in those who took them. And they also shed, meaning that uh, people near those who have the vaccine could uh, pick up something uh, from just being in, in the presence of somebody with the vaccine. So pretty sick and sinister stuff. And uh, don't really know a lot about it, but it, but who wants to pick up a vaccine that can cause cancer? You know, and uh, I don't. And I don't want to put that in my body, and I don't want to put that in any anybody's body uh, if I can help it. And that's what uh, these authorities are still doing. It's sad to see, in my opinion, in Australia. It's the last thing uh, that uh, I will do. And and why would I say that? Am I a doctor? No. Yeah, I'm a CPA, businessman, corporate, uh, international executive. I and and. Um, and I'm also the one that Alex Jones says uh, is the one who uncovered COVID. And and how, why does he say that? It's because back in the early March of 2020, uh, there was a report that CDC, or not CDC, the World Economic Forum, uh, I was going to say World Economic Forum, no. Um, the WHO, the World Health Organization, came out as Dr. Tedros with, uh, and, and gave a talk early in March saying, yeah, this thing, this COVID is going to be, it's going to be probably 3.4 estimates, 3.4% mortality, meaning three out of every hundred people that get it are going to die. And um, pretty scary numbers. So uh, I looked into that uh, one night in Hong Kong, took me about 15 minutes to see that these co-mingled numbers that the death uh, mortality rate was going to be closer to the flu than that of, uh, of the Spanish flu from 100 years prior, based on the data that we had at that time. So I wrote about that. Alex Jones brought me on a show the next night. 
and uh, both me and my brother Jim, and I laid this out. I says, these numbers don't add up. It's not going to be that bad. We followed another individual who said, this is terrible. We're all going to die. This is bad. And then I come in and say this. I'm the only guy saying it in the entire world at that time. And uh, now we know that I was absolutely correct. About a couple of years ago or a year ago, I was on Alex Jones' show again, and he said, Joe, you're the guy who uncovered COVID. So there you have it, a feather in my hat that I'm proud of, and, and it's just by looking at the numbers. So that's what I think when I see these people walking around with these masks. Uh, you know, the human immunity system works really, really well. And uh, And think about it. Did they ever give us a recipe for what to take in case you got COVID and you're in a hospital? It was like a death sentence if you went to the hospital. They'd put you on ventilators and stuff, and apparently it was the worst thing you could do. Almost as if they wanted people to die so then they could create this fear and, and that this thing was so deadly so that people would do whatever they said. And whether that means uh, in the U.S., give up your uh, First Amendment rights or right to free speech, right to religion. Remember, churches couldn't, couldn't have people congregate restaurants couldn't have people congregate there's laws in california for example that you could only sit like four people at a table and tables had to be separated had to do just crazy things couldn't turn the tv on during the uh meal crazy things they even came out with the rules on thanksgiving well if you sit outside you can have six people at a table for your thanksgiving meal just insanity and and so many people buy that and bought that and there's still people walking around with masks i was I was at the airport just just uh, the other day, and I turned, and there's this young woman. And she had two masks on, not just one, two. And I just kind of scratched my head and didn't say anything. But I'm like, oh, that poor girl. What's wrong with her? I mean, really, what's wrong with those masks? Do not protect you. Something like this back COVID that with the particles are so, so tiny, they just float right through that mask. So it's just the exercise it does more damage probably to your breathing than it does uh, to prevent you from getting COVID. It's just insanity. But here's st there's still people out there that believe it. And then I don't, you know, I don't, I don't believe it. And that's, uh, that's, uh, you know, the way it is. And so we're, we're dealing with this today. A piece that came out that's kind of related, and it's about how our media is lying to us and how we have criminals that are running our governments. And in this case, it's Georgia. The state of Georgia is just such a mess, especially related to the 2020 election, all sorts of fraud, all sorts of uh, abuse. And, and the election there never should have been certified. There was ample evidence uh, that uh, President Trump had won that election and uh, that Joe Biden never should have been certified for that election. Ample evidence. And yet the crooks there that are running the state, both Raffensperger and I believe the governor, uh, uh, never, never should have certified that election. But what came out yesterday is that in Georgia, they they are saying that, and I put wrote this up at JoeHoff.com, I couldn't believe it. They're saying that the machines that they brought in for the 2020 election, these Dominion machines, and, and whether they were Dominion ES&S or another brand, uh, they all had the same issue. These certain machines that, that Georgia purchased, and I think it was a, more than a million or $100 million worth of uh, uh, products that they brought in to use these machines throughout, this, throughout the state, it was the only machines that were used. 
these machines uh, violated state law. They and they knew it before they purchased the machines. And what the, the rationale is, and I and I've had somebody on the show before who's talked about this. You fill out your ballot. They create a ballot and for you a ballot image, but the image has this little QR code on it. This QR code is what the system counts when it counts your vote. It doesn't count all the uh, the your selections up above. It counts this QR code. And that goes against, that violates state law because the law says that you have to be able to, you know, the, the calculations and the and the summing and the tabulation has to be basically readable. And these people are saying, this is not readable. This is what's counted. It's the QR code. It's not the entire ballot. And um, and so they, were, they knew this was in violation. There was a firm that sent information on that to the state of Georgia before they purchased these machines and and they ignored it and so you know what the hell's going on there so they purchased these machines knowing they violated state law and 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 used them in the election and then they were they were just a, it was just a travesty the election in georgia in 2020 was just a total mess i think uh, pictures and videos that i've seen coming out of fulton county they're just a mess ballots everywhere it was it's just disgusting and, and from a from a former corporate auditor and corporate executive uh, international one even for at that in Hong Kong I traveled like I mentioned I've been to well, it's been a year of my life down there in in Australia beautiful beautiful Sydney beautiful Australia and uh been to Brisbane been to, been to Melbourne been to New Zealand all with work and I just can't believe that uh that this you know this happened it's it's uh it's just uh never seen anything like it so much uh corruption the state of Georgia is so broken. I guess there's a, a case that's still outstanding that they're gonna they're gonna hold uh, some uh, some hearings on. I guess coming up here in the next week or so, be really interesting to see what happens from all that. But anyways, lots to uh, talk about, and uh, with the mess with COVID, with going into the election, going into uh, the mandates, and now where we are with the southern border, there's lots to talk about. And our guest after this hour is a father who's who's written about how do you how do you father in these crazy times? And so we'll be right back with our special guest right after this. You should hear what Charlie Robinson is talking about. I think once we saw the supply chain issues uh, that happened during the COVID debacle, you go, well, that seems bad for the, you know, when you're fighting somebody for toilet paper, but it could be worse, right? It could be the last can of food. So people are starting to reevaluate and reassess their situations and their relationship with supply chains and the like. And I think what that does is it leads you to a place of saying, how can I make myself less dependent on the system? It's kind of hard to know where to start, right? Where would you suggest we even begin with this process? Yeah, it's funny you said that because someone said to me recently and it made me laugh that this is going to be the kind of collapse where the Burger King's still open. I think that's what's probably lulling people into a false sense of security in that everything when we go to the city kind of appears normal unless you're in one of those really crazy drug adult cities. But for most people, I would say, Charlie, it feels normal, but it ain't normal. <laughs> the world yeah. is not normal. It's completely gone off kilter. Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. I wanted to alleviate my pain. I also didn't want to be who I was. I always just felt like there was just something wrong with me. 
and I was trying to figure it out. And I used the internet to help me do that. Seemingly out of nowhere, we've suddenly seen a huge spike in media depictions and social media depictions of transgenderism. It's even reached the mainstream advertising world. The people who are consuming this are children, 13, 14, 15 years old. And it's so easy for them to literally be groomed. I just woke up one day, looked at myself in the mirror, and asked myself, what the heck am I doing? When trans-identified kids are referred to specialized gender clinics, they're often told that they're going to get comprehensive, multidisciplinary mental health assessments. We know that that's not true. I was easy to manipulate. The ideology that has become dominant at these clinics is that trans kids know who they are, and therefore to question them is completely taboo. My childhood was ruined. Who's there for their detransitioning? Nobody. Nobody would help me because they had more concerns of me reversing everything. Did this thing to alleviate this gender dysphoria that wasn't there before, but you made it into a problem, and now your body image issues are worse. That's not supposed to happen. What do we do now? D-Trans, the dangers of gender-affirming care. For more information, go to PragerU.com. CO2 sustains all life on Earth, but now it's in long-term decline. We face the return of an ice age. We mandate that the truth be told. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hey, we're back. This is Joe Hoft on the Joe Hoff Show, and uh, really excited uh, to introduce to you all our guest, Mr. Uh, Kelly Walker. Kelly, welcome to the Joe Hoff Show. Joe, thanks for having me on. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's great to finally really kind of see you, meet you. Uh, we've had uh, a number of co uh, communications outside of this setting, and uh, you've written some incredible pieces of work really have really have enjoyed what you've put together some really well thought out pieces that really impressed me and i put it some up at that joehoff.com as you know tried to get some of the gateway pundit as well just great work and well done and uh that's kind of how i met you i guess is through your writings and um but you've got a heck of a story as well so it's really i'm really anxious to really learn more about your story and all that's happened to you over the last few years especially being a father i know a big part of your effort and your mission appears to be to be you know to, to help people to become good fathers in this, these crazy times and so i'd really admire that and i think we're all all the fathers out there probably waiting to hear what you have to say so watch fill us in start off just a bit of your history and uh that which leads us up to today why don't you give us a bit of that first absolutely joe and thank you for running my articles i i really appreciate that uh i've i've been a writer uh producer for some years i ran a a small advertising agency out of Bend, Oregon, but for the past few years, I've been a contributing writer to the Epic Times. I've written for other publications and um, doing doing contract work. So uh, trying to do some some good work out there. My website is realfreedomtalk.com and you can find me on uh, the, the typical social media, mainly, mainly Twitter and Instagram at Real Freedom Talk. But we are, as you know, Joe, we're, we're in the midst of a war. Uh, a lot of people, unfortunately don't realize that yet. We have this illusion of, of peace. People go about their daily lives, not understanding and realizing that our nation is under attack. Um, I, I'm, I'm keeping track of a number of things. In fact, um, I have border patrol agents, law enforcement, other people that uh, I got acquainted with when we lived in, in Tucson for five years up until recently. 
and I've been able to get on-the-ground information to the Epic Times, uh, to Ben Berkwam at Real America's Voice and others. But on, on another front, um, I've been heavily involved in uh, helping to rebuild the country from the inside out. I'm a father of five, and I wrote a book called uh, Guidebook for a Son some, some years ago and have revised it. And uh, in July, uh, some of my freelance slowed down as it, as it sometimes does. And so I decided to do something I've wanted to do for a while, which was produce a series to help and support fathers. And it's called Fathering in a World Gone Mad. And it features eight sessions with some remarkable fathers like uh, Victor Marks, Eric Metaxas, Sheriff Mark Lamb, uh, Clay Clark is is in there on a, on a financial uh, teaching your kids about finances. We we have Stephen Davis and Anthony Watson from Turning Point. Uh, I, I'm in there doing one on the science, reconciling science and religion. And we even have Joe Wigan, who's uh, the spit and image of Teddy Roosevelt, who does just a fantastic hour long presentation there, which is, is quite, um, quite entertaining to watch. Uh, and the series comes with a study guide and a lot of extras. But getting back to my story, Joe, um, kind of how I got here, you know, like many people, I, I had an awakening and mine came on the eve of the 2016 election. I realized that what I'd been told by the media um, about Donald Trump and about Hillary Clinton was with a lie, was wrong. And I realized that uh, this this man who I at the time didn't particularly care for, I didn't know much about him. I'd seen, I have to be honest, I'd seen previews for The Apprentice, but um, I started to realize, hey, he actually stands for the values that I have. So anyone thinking, well, you know, this this is a Trumper and that kind of thing, they they, they couldn't be more wrong. I was one of those, you might say, independents out there trying to trying to think my way through it, but not realizing that uh, a lot of what we see is is not truth. It's an illusion. But uh, we moved from Bend, Oregon um, in 2017, partly to get away from the, the leftist politics there, which affected my family quite a bit. Um, we got to Tucson, and at the time I was doing some freelance writing, marketing, um, branding services. And gosh, I want to say um, October of 2018, we opened a coffee shop called Viva Coffee House, uh, near Vail, Arizona, which is on the um, southeastern side of Tucson. Everything was going great. You know, we we, we put our life savings into it, uh, wanted to have, of course, we could depend on and grow and that uh, my wife's parents could also uh, work out in, during their retirement. But uh, this was, of course, right before the, the COVID-19 lockdowns and suddenly uh, it, the world changed. And at the time, Joe, I was working as editor in chief for a national medical publication. I was working with some of the nation's top doctors, including one who came over originally as an exchange student from China. He's known as Boston's top doctor. And I, we were sitting through three hour webinars every other week, um, getting information straight out of China. So, right from the beginning, I had a very good view of what this virus was. Um, I was getting data out of China before the media was even, and and I have a bachelor's in English and theology, and then a master's degree in science. So I have a good good science background to to understand these things. And as time went on, I I just started sharing some of the information from work. Uh, Dr. Leslie Fang, one of the nation's top doctors, would give these webinars, and we'd get data and graphs and charts and everything else. And 
you know, to, to his credit, at least in the beginning, he, he framed it correctly. It's it's a virus that's mainly going to affect people with pre-existing conditions, advanced in age. It's not going to be dangerous to most people. The mortality rate will be low. Unfortunately, that story changed later in a very mm-hmm. dishonest way. But um, I started just posting yeah. some of this, these things on social media and just found that I was attacked personally for just putting out factual mm. information. And, and stop yeah, me, Joe. Maybe, yeah, yeah let, me, let me just kind of interject. First of all, a question. Did you vote for Trump in uh, 2016? To my shame, uh, I did not. And I did not vote for him. I voted, I voted against Trump. Uh, <laughs> I voted. Yeah. I, I thought I was doing the best thing. I, I, sure. I didn't like Hillary. I knew she was crooked, but I thought, you know, I thought Donald Trump was, I never thought Hitler. I thought that was an exaggeration, but I thought he was more similar to Mussolini, but boy, was I wrong. Well, he was, and I'm yeah, he was, a, yeah. How about it? Yeah. How about it? He was a mean guy. I have two sisters and they, uh, they both like Bernie and older sisters and they're far left. And, um, then Hillary basically, you know, when Hillary stole the election from Bernie, uh, they were upset they weren't going to vote for her they voted for the green party um, and then within a year within a year they realized uh and and from the places they were going to on the internet they all realized trump's the guy trump is the guy this wow. is exactly what we want somebody who wants is somebody who's an outsider that's going to change change things and get this country okay. back on track and so they're they're now they're both big trumpers and have been for whatever that's, seven years that's now so great yeah, you, you know, know so I, a lot of people like you, know. you uh, Professor David Clements, he didn't. I don't think he voted for Trump, and yeah. uh, and he now is friend. certainly on the Trump train. Yeah, so you're yeah, not David's the Lone Ranger. Friend. No, not at all. Yeah, not at all. Well, and and, I, and I, how I, many people did this? How many people did this? What you did? You know, I think there's a. I, I think Trump's numbers have gone up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They they definitely have, and you know, through the years, I've just tried to make hopefully the most educated decision i was not you know i was registered as a republican but i i had voted on for candidates in both political parties um looking back now i see that I, that was a deception <laughs> some of these people did not on both sides didn't portray themselves as who they are <clears throat> excuse me that's another story but um yeah. so we're running this coffee shop we uh, during the time when uh there was this anti-police movement there was violence in the streets I saw everything that was happening and I recognized right away what this is. It's a communist revolution in the making. And I was was furious. We started, we held a couple of, event, of, of events to back the blue, to support the police. We had police officers, families coming in and literally sitting in our coffee shop crying because they were afraid dad wasn't going to come home or hubby wasn't going to come home. And, and I found myself in this strange position of, uh, offering them sanctuary saying if things get really really bad come here and we'll protect you because by that time we had communities surrounding us but in uh on september 15th of 2020 early on uh, we i was arrested for going to a board of supervisors meeting at the pima county board of supervisors because they had targeted our coffee shop one one day prior to that we started getting um, all these mean messages trolling fake reviews phone calls threatening our staff, messages threatening the lives of, of me and my family. And we thought, what's going on? Well, people started sending screenshots that we were on the Pima County Wall of Shame, they called it. It was a website that Pima County had created to list supposedly non-compliant businesses. And they had set up a system 
which uh, was very uh, Nazi-esque in, in character, where anybody could go out, visit a business, and if they felt that they weren't um, meeting the, the county resolution on, on COVID, if they felt like people weren't masking correctly or something, they could call the health department hotline. A health inspector would trot out and uh, do a, an, an evaluation, and you could, you could get your business license suspended. For 18 months, they did that. And I found out later because whistleblowers from within the Pima County Health Department sent me uh, proof of this. They weren't inspecting assisted living facilities, none of the high-risk facilities. They were just persecuting small business. So I emailed the County Board of Supervisors and said, hey, there might have been a mistake. You've listed us on your website. We actually passed our inspection. Here's the documents. We have your dumb sticker on the window. And... Um, they didn't do anything about it. I got a message back saying, well, we can take it off the website within two weeks. I said, that's not acceptable. You don't understand. People are threatening violence. We could have our windows smashed and we could have our business burned to the ground. And at the time, some some ex-military guys stepped up and volunteered to watch our house armed to protect us. Because if you remember at that time, there was a lot of violence in the streets. It was a very serious threat. So one of the board of supervisors um, invited to a public meeting. You get three minutes to speak. And within 30 seconds, I was surrounded by three sheriff officers and arrested, handcuffed, booked for disorderly conduct. And when I was back in the booking room, the uh, officer who arrested me as I was sitting there with my hands behind my back, um, I, he said, why did you do that? Why did you speak out? And I said, because I had to. And he said, well, I, you know, um, I, I said, why didn't, why did you arrest me? He said, well, I, I don't want to lose my job. And I said, your job is to protect people like me from people like that. And I reminded him of his oath. And and that arrest, by the way, is, is very public. It's online. Um, you, you can go to realfreedomtalk.com. I think I have it on, on there. Um, but that arrest the day afterwards people flooded into our coffee shop we had lines out the door we had law enforcement from every agency coming and saying that was absolutely bogus and we support you in this and it was um it was pretty amazing the the outpouring of support but there was a real sense of relief from people so, like finding Kelly, someone up. yeah yes so what what did they what did you say that upset people so much at that meeting well the whole thing was a step, so it really didn't matter what I did. But what I did was I started reading some of the comments verbatim that had been posted on our social media that my wife and children and all of our customers had to be exposed to, expletives and all. And I figured, look, we're all adults here. You can hear what we had to hear. And I, I wanted that shock value. I wanted the board to see what they had done, the, the death threats, the F words, everything. So at, at, at one point... Um, I'm trying to remember his name, Raymond, uh, the, the chair of the board at the time. Uh, Ramon Valdez was his name. He stopped me and he basically addressed my language. And I said, oh, okay, I'll censor it if you want. But then I just started in again saying, look, you've done this. And I was mad. I said, we're, we're receiving death threats because of you. And uh, I, I offered to censor the language, yet he called for the sergeant of arms, which was the sheriff's department. And they arrested me. It was sort of like waving the royal hand off with his head. And it started a chain reaction. And I had a, 
a choice to make. I'd never been arrested before. And it's funny, I, I, as an aside, I was sitting there handcuffed, worrying about my wife, what's she going to think about it? Because by that time, I realized this was on, this had been on TV. I was worried about her. And she was at home thinking, oh, man, you just poked a lion with a stick. <laughs> so she was thinking about it very differently than I did. But, you know, I had this choice. Am I going to hide from this and keep my head low or am I going to stand up to it? But when all those people were coming in our coffee shop, thanking me for standing up, praying over us, telling me their stories, I just I felt such love for people like they've they've been through so much by this point. So that was the beginning. And um, gosh, the following August, we had Dinesh D'Souza out. Uh, he graciously came out and we did an event. Uh, he gave a, a, a tremendous speech. Um, and that's where I started to build Freedom Talk to bring some truth to people to help restore the American Republic. And I'm, I'm, I'm giving the backstory and I'll get to the fathering series in a moment, but uh, this started a groundswell of support from the community. We had the nurses, the medical groups meeting about the mandates, uh, organizing there. I would oftentimes stay at night when the shop was closed, miss dinner with my family to, to host those meetings or be there to close up when they were finished. We, we, we had the school parents and everything else. And, and this is where the timeline gets interesting. So that first arrest is in some ways water under the bridge. It was dismissed weeks later because everybody knew it was false arrest. But this began a targeting of me and my family because they do not appreciate when people stand up. Um, so April 26th of 2021, we had a Freedom Talk meeting at Viva Coffee House. We had a whole lot of parents who came and met at our coffee shop. And we had been talking, the community had been complaining that these COVID policies were damaging our kids. Kids were committing suicide. We had a young man in our own neighborhood go out in the desert near our home and shoot himself in the head and kill himself. And we were hearing these reports. By this time, of course, our coffee shop had become a community hub. And people were coming in telling us their stories, you know, everything from kids getting migraines from having to wear these masks all day to, to suicide. And you can you can look and I did a video. It's on realfreedomtalk.com. It's a seven minute video summarizing some of this. You can see that the suicide rates went up. And so the uh, a whole lot of parents met. Our, our coffee shop was filled. I have a video of that somewhere. And we decided the very next day, it was a school board meeting in the Vail School District. Uh, we were gonna go and make our voices heard. I had a 16 year old boy who had a speech about why his friend committed suicide and how the masking policies and the, the COVID policies led to that because kids were feeling isolated. They were feeling singled out. Um, they had no social lives. Uh, there, there was one young man, brave young man who came to our coffee shop and we did a whole show he had been put on suicide watch by his family because he was struggling with this so much. And he was brave enough to come forward and tell his story. And, and he broke down uh, crying middle school age kid. We had Krista Reynolds there, an 84 year old survivor of the Hitler regime and the Soviet Union who had come, who was a customer and she had a piece of the Berlin wall coming to our shop. She and this young man gave a presentation and they, she said this, it, what's happening to this young boy, what's happening in our society right now is exactly what it felt like in Nazi Germany prior to the war. 
And she warned all of us. And in fact, after that first arrest, she was the first person that came to me. And she said, Kelly, I saw your arrest. I'm so sorry. I'm really scared because this is exactly what things were like in Nazi Germany when I was a child. And I stood up and I put my arms around her and I said, they will never, this will never happen to you again in your life as long as there's people like me on the planet. And she ended up passing away, but um, this, this was the environment. This was the environment that was set up on April 27th. Uh, the school board happened. Over 200 parents showed up to the Vail Education Center, the main offices. They simply wanted the media were there. Uh, it, it was a circus. Um, to make a long story short, they tried to shut down the meeting. They didn't want people to have a voice. Uh, and it, it, what happened next went went viral. I was on Bongino and Dinesh D'Souza and a lot of other places. It was called the shot heard around the world as far as uh, the school board versus parents. I was the first one into the building that day and I went in with some others and we argued because they didn't want us to come in without masks. We stood our ground and we said, we don't have to wear masks to be able to exercise our first amendment rights. So eventually they conceded and had a breakout room with video monitors. And there's a picture that went in the media where I'm kind of squeezing around the guy who's checking people in. And it was simply because there was not enough space, but I was going into that side room. Of course, the media portrayed it as if I was pushing my way in, you know, like some big bully. But uh, some of us got there, we stood our ground and said, you have to let these people speak. They, they tried to shut down the meeting. They called the sheriff's department. To their credit, the sheriff's department did fantastically. They didn't take a side. They said, you know, we're not going to arrest these people. They have a right to be here. So once people started coming in, by this time, by this time, people were angry because they realized that the school district and John Carruth, uh, the superintendent of Vail Schools and his administration were, were trying to silence people. They did not want these people to speak. Um, as soon as the people came in, I had come with a, a few guys to shadow me because by this time I had death threats. We left the building because we said this is their moment and what happened next was the story is that the board the regular board either hid or fled we don't know and somebody took five people five parents and said look there's there's no board here by rules of forum we can swear in a new board they, they um took these five people and voted them as the new school board i knew that unfortunately this wasn't a take but this became a viral moment around the country where people said, oh, that's how you do it. You know, you go in and you you swear in new members of the board. And and I thought, well, first of all, they're going to they're going to play this off as um, aggressive, which they indeed did. Now, here's where the timeline gets interesting. So I I was I just I went there as someone in the community who could help uh, facilitate people having a voice. But the next day I was all over the media as some sort of provocateur. In fact, I, I went there dressed in a suit on purpose um, to protect these people because I knew they were going to target me. I knew the cameras would come on me. And I thought that you don't want to be on the cameras right now, because if you're on the cameras, you're getting death threats. You're going to be a target. So, and they were looking for me. So the, the media cameras went on me and they said, we understand you're in charge of this. And I said, no, I'm not. They said, who is? And I pointed back to the people. I said, they are. But I, I wanted to stand between the cameras and the people 
so that those people wouldn't be specifically targeted. And I think that that instinct was correct because um, I'll, I'll get to this in a moment. I know this is a, a bit of a, a difficult story to follow, but we were indeed targeted at a level I only recently d discovered. But going down the timeline, um, gosh, um, so that was April 27th of 2021. On September 2nd of 2021, I was on my way to pick up my wife from the coffee shop. I'd gotten a babysitter. We we're going to have a date. And I got a call from a frantic father. He was at a school where previously the community had protested. Uh, a young man was being told he had to wear a mask. And he sat in the office and said, I'm not going to wear a mask. And I'm not going to go home until you let me go back to class. This was a set uh, seven or eight year old boy standing his ground. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm fighting a cold here. Parents showed up, the community showed up, citizen journalists showed up. And um, this all happened between that school board meeting and September 2nd. So there was there was a lot of discontent in the community. There were kids dying. There were, were parents who were desperate because the school board and the administration were not listening to them. They were treating them like they were some sort of violent, aggressive people just for wanting to be able to tell their stories. So September 2nd, I got this call. Um, another, the, the, this dad said, look, I'm at Mesquite Elementary and my son's in the office. They forced him to wear a mask. He took it off and threw it in the nurse's trash. They made him fish a soiled mask out of the nurse's trash and put it back on his face. I'm going to call the police for child abuse. I want you here to witness this and help me keep calm. So another father and I went over there and we thought, here we go again with this Mesquite Elementary, mistreating the parents and students. And by this time, there was no mask mandate. None of that was in place. So I went over um, with this other dad, uh, the, the little boy, the, the son of the, the father who was so distraught, came out, led us into the office. We introduced ourselves. We sat and had a meeting with the principal and some of her staff. We disagreed with them. We said that you've got to stop doing this. This is against the law. The dad ended up calling the police, the Tucson police. The police said, he said, I want you to come arrest these people for child abuse. They said, you're probably right, but we're not going to come to the school. It's too controversial. And I thought, what? Aren't you, isn't your job to come keep the peace? Shouldn't you even come out and investigate this if a, if a parent is citing child abuse? So we sat there and I ended up calling a sheriff's lieutenant who was over that area and asking him for advice. It turns out it was just not quite over the county line. So he said, well, it's not really my jurisdiction. Um, and he said, but, you know, call, call the police, call the Tucson police. And I said, well, he's, you know, he's doing that or he's done that. I called state Senator Kelly Townsend, who was a state senator at the time. I asked for advice. Um, in the end, after I got all this advice, I said, Senator Townsend said, get documentation of why they're quarantining your child, because that they were quarantining him for the second or third time in a row. And he got that documentation and we left. Th they went out, the school went out to the media and portrayed this completely falsely. They portrayed it to the media and there's, there's stories all over the world with my face on them. I mean, I'm talking... MSNBC, Vice News, UK Daily Mail, CNN, you name it. 
I'm, I'm branded as a, a domestic terrorist, a white supremacist, all that garbage they do. My face on there and the story that that the school district pushed that the media went right along with was three large men stormed a school, attempted to arrest and uh, handcuff a principal, kidnap her. Um, yeah. Police were called and they fled the scene. Well, here's the problem for them, Joe. We have every bit of this on video. And I've released it on our website. Um, it's it's all there. I have a really good seven minute summary of that. But um, this is what happened after that. So we left. He he went down to the police station and filed a formal complaint. And we thought, well, that was tense. But uh, you know, we he got the information he needed. It, it, it was probably I I think I was in the office for like forty minutes, and. Then I heard after that, I, I went, proceeded to the date with my wife and I, we were sitting having lunch and I got a call from the police and they said, we want to speak to you. And I said, what for? And they, I said, look, I'm on a date with my wife. I'll, I'll talk to you later. Um, three days later, September 5th, on a Sunday night, I was sitting watching a movie with my family. We get a knock on the door. There's five, five police officers for misdemeanor three trespassing, which is about like a parking ticket. Five police officers delivered this to me. I said, what's your probable cause? I have that whole conversation <laughs> recorded. Well, I don't know, I was just sent here. I said, well, for, for what? Well, you, you guys, uh, you attacked a, a school principal. I said, no, we didn't. What, what, you know, what's your probable cause? He couldn't do it. And finally, he just got impatient with me and he said, look, I'm in charge. You're gonna sign this ticket or I'm gonna take you to jail right now. So I have the gun, I have the force, you're, you're going to sign this or you're going to go to jail. So I signed it and I was charged with misdemeanor three trespassing. The same thing happened to the other fathers. And so we ended up, the, the, the media just completely defamed me and my family. And I'll tell you, Joe, I was getting letters to my mailbox. I had gotten threats online, but letters to my home address saying, I'm going to zip tie you or handcuff you. I'm going to rape your wife and murder your children in front of you. And it's not going to happen soon. It's, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to wait until you think everything's passed and I'm going to come for you. All three of us fathers got those kinds of letters came from Denver, Colorado, the postmarked, of course, no return address or anything, but the, the amount of threats we got, the harassment, it was off the charts and the school district, you'd think, would wait till trial or for a hearing before discussing. No, no they went out on a media tour. Um, John Carruth spun this narrative, absolutely, absolutely false. I ended up going to trial and they stacked on more charges to the misdemeanor, three trespassing, three more misdemeanors. One included disrupting a school environment, which is also a misdemeanor, in spite of the fact that we had an email that one of the school staff had sent me the day after this incident, John Carruth sent out an email and it included a very specific statement that said, the situation was peacefully resolved and the learning environment was not disrupted. I mean, right there is an admission that we did not disrupt the school environment. You can watch on the video, everybody's going about their business, right? Well, in this, this kangaroo court trial, going into it, my lawyer said, look, these are misdemeanors, you know, you didn't do anything, it's, you're probably going to be found not guilty. Even if you're found guilty, it's going to be a small fine. As we're going through the trial, my lawyer turns to me and says, holy crap, they're treating this like it's a felony. I mean, and from the beginning, 
I was referred to as the criminal and the other side were referred to as the victim. So, so much for presumption of innocence. It was, it was a sham. It was an absolute sham. And um, when all the dust settled, I was sentenced to a hundred days in jail and $10,000 in fines for sitting and talking. And yeah, the other, by the way, Kelly, I was going to say, I've I've seen that video. You've shared with me that video that event. And, um, so it is out there on on your on your website, but yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty harsh. Uh, yeah, pretty harsh. All that's happened there. I don't I don't like that. You know what I'm hearing is they doxed you. They they share your information out there. Yeah. You've got these people that are sending you terrible messages. Like when when I hear that, I'm wondering is there really people like that out there, or is this just another op that they have people just there, there are and back I, trolls. I think you know? some of them so, paid and. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm getting to a point here. I know this is a long narrative. So two two arrests in one year. Um, the, on, on the second one, so I I did some research. I just wrote an article for George Magazine on the targeting of school parents. I've really become an advocate for parents who were targeted. So it, this this happened. This incident, I said at the school, happened September second. Let me go down the timeline here. September 29th, ninth, twenty twenty one. The National School Board Association sent a letter to Biden asking and Merrick Garland asking for federal assistance to stop the so-called threats of violence against public school children, public school board members and other public school officials and educators. October 2nd, uh, let's see, October 4th, Merrick Garland issued the now infamous uh, memo saying that the parents are domestic terrorists and uh, devoting anti-terrorist resources against school parents. On October 18th, 2021, 14 attorneys general responded to Merrick Garland's memo with a letter uh, to Garland and Biden citing the the National School Board Association letter as a quote, massive fraud. And of course, Merrick Garland and the NSBA doubled down, but eventually they were made to apologize. They retracted it. They said that the letter was an overreaction and, and invalid. So they they admitted that they had targeted parents and inserted hyperbole, and it created a horrible atmosphere for parents. But here's what blows my mind, Joe, because I was writing about all of this in my article in George Magazine, which thank you, George Magazine, for carrying the article. It quotes all the uh, major parenting rights group uh, leaders. It quotes Congressman Andy Ogles from Tennessee, Paul Gosar, from Arizona, it's it's a fantastic article to get a, a scope of this. But after that article published, I did more research, and I found out I I found some emails that were FOIAed from the National School Board Association, where all of this started, and I was shocked because I saw one of these emails, and let's see, uh, there was an email from within the NSBA offices among the staff referring to events in Arizona that I was central to. So I was the first parent targeted by this weaponization of the U.S. government because it referred to me specifically. um, And the the only parent specifically mentioned, and of course, many, many parents have, have suffered under this, but I was shocked to find out that front and center was little old me, school district because they talked about that school board meeting and they talked about the the incident at mesquite elementary 
I'm a father of five, no criminal record, and the full force of the U.S. government came down on me and my family and then spread to others. And it, so after the this mock trial for supposedly being a terrorist, when all I did was sit and talk, we filed a notice of appeal the next day. So the, the, the whole case is supposed to be stayed. You get a chance to appeal. In the meantime, we sold our Tucson house and we found out we had never gotten any notice. We found out there was a, um, a judgment lien on our house. They had taken $10,000 from our home sale and held up the closing. And we needed to close on the house. I mean, you can't be paying for two, two places at once because we were renting another place while our house was selling. So we had to spend another $3,000 to hire a, lawyer, hire a lawyer, which he was able to get the closing done, but they, they wouldn't release the $10,000, the, the escrow company. And the lawyer said, look, you're breaking the Homestead Act of Arizona. You do not have a right to hold this money back. And they said, we don't care. We don't care. We don't consider this home their homestead. What? The home where our family lives, where we had a garden and backyard chickens, this is not our homestead. I mean, the whole thing is so corrupt. And to appeal, guess what the law firm needed to retain $10,000. So we were effectively sort of any ability to even uh, appeal. And I had been thinking and praying about what to do. <clears throat> and I kept getting this inclination to stand up to this, to defy it. And I wrote a three-part series. I think you've run this on your website, Joe about how we are under no obligation to obey unjust corrupt authority. And that comes from our founders. It, it has a legal precedent going back to Cicero um, that we have a right as citizens when our natural rights are being trampled on to evaluate uh, the magistrates. And if they are corrupt, we, are, we, we not only have no obligation to obey, we have a duty to disobey them. So all of this wow. has gone on and here we are. It's... Um, just the beginning of 2024, um, they, I, I haven't gone to jail. I won't go to jail. They stole our $10,000. We're, we're struggling, but we're in this fight. And I'll tell you something, Joe, let me know if you need to pause. I know I'm, I'm, I'm going on and on here, but uh, last late last June of, of 2023, I sent a letter to several members of Congress about the targeting of school parents, including my situation. A very prominent member of Congress got back to me. He, uh, a staffer called me and said, Congressman so-and-so has uh, delegated to three of us staffers to investigate this, and we'd like you to share information with us. So since July 7th, when I got a response, uh, an investigation has been ongoing on this. I've also talked to Congressman Paul Gosar in person, who said to me, huh. we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go after this. We're gonna, th this is not acceptable. And uh, Eli, Eli Crane, who was uh, is a good yeah. friend and has become a good friend and is, is a congressman from Arizona. Uh, I know Andy Biggs is involved and uh, Andy Ogles here from Tennessee. They're all aware of it. So well, this is, um, yeah, we're good. This, this is great news, Kelly. Um, it's not over yet, I guess. No, it's not. And I, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. We, we are... Um, having a tough time right now. Uh, some of my contract work has has disappeared because of the, the economy of the times, but um, but we're, we're going forward. And you know, um, having determination goes a long way. I hear music in the background. Do you need to cut for a break? Yeah, 
Yeah, we got to okay. run. But Kelly, thanks. That was a great uh, story. Thanks. I'm sorry you had to go through this, but we're going to follow you and keep you in mind, and we'll get you back here on the show as soon as we can. 